0: Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. Wrap up our series that I started last week. I've never done a two-week series, but it's the first time for everything, Devin. So, uh, uh, we had an anchor series, Stability Through Any Storm. We're looking specifically at two different stories about Jesus with his disciples on a boat in the Sea of uh, Galilee. And uh, last week we saw where he walked upon the water and he calmed the storm. And today we're going to look at where he was already in the boat with them asleep and we'll see what happens. Um, I love history, I love uh, inspiring stories from history. Uh, I hope I don't get this name too wrong. I looked it up. But in the 19th century, Horatio Spofford, uh, he had lost four daughters when an ocean liner sank in the Atlantic Ocean. Now let that sink in for a minute. Can you imagine? You've got four daughters, and um, um, his daughters and his wife were going to go on a vacation across the Atlantic. This is in the 1800s. Uh, He was a lawyer. He was a busy man. He had one last thing to do, and he was going to do something in New York, and he he was going to meet them later over there. And uh, all of a sudden, uh, one day he gets this uh, telegram message, and it says, Saved Alone, and it was from his wife. Here was a storm that tore his world inside out. What would you do? what would you say if you were in his shoes, if you'd just lost all four of your kids? Well, the rest of the story is after he reflected upon it, he was actually taken to the scene of where it happened. And the uh, captain of the ship said, we're getting close to where it happened. And he went to his cabin. He got real quiet and he thought. And as history tells us, he wrote the words of one of our favorite hymns, and it goes like this. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. I don't know if you knew the backstory to that hymn, but that's the backstory to it is well with my soul. Someone that had lost a whole lot in life, and yet he was able to look at tragedy. He was able to look at a crisis and say, it is well with my soul." I don't know about you, but when the storms of life come, we need to have an anchor like that, that holds us, that gives us peace beyond understanding, that gets us beyond the storm. And that's what I want to talk to you today. My message is entitled, Beyond the Storm. You know, it's It's great when you can say you've survived a storm, whether it's an actual physical storm or you know, metaphorically you go through a, a horrible storm in life and you find yourself on the other side and go, wow, I never thought I'd be here, but I've survived the storm. But what about life beyond the storm? That's what I want to talk to you about today. Bob Coughlin said these words, God moves in a mysterious way, his wonders to perform. He plants his footsteps in the sea and rides upon the storm. Deep in his dark and hidden minds with never failing skill, he fashions all his bright designs and works his sovereign will. What does that mean? Well, it means that God's plans are sometimes mysterious, but even in the midst of uncertainty, we know that God is in control. And that is a comforting thought to know that God is in control, He will get us through this. The storms of life prove the strength of our anchor, and our anchor is Christ. I want you to look, if you will, in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to look at chapter 8 this morning, verses 22 through 25. It's a short story with a lot of meaning. In Luke 8, 22, the Bible says, One day he and his disciples got into a boat, And Jesus told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they set out, and as they were sailing, he fell asleep. Then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake. They were being swamped and were in danger. They came and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. And then he got up and rebuked the wind and the raging waves. So they ceased, and there was a calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful and amazed, asking one another, Who then is this? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey Him. What an awesome picture here. You can read the, uh, another version of this account in Matthew or in Mark. You'll learn when you read all three accounts together that uh, Jesus said, Let's go across the lake. There was more than one boat. Um, he's in the disciples with one boat. There is a pillow there, and he he just takes a nap, okay? He takes a nap, and then all of a sudden, this storm just comes up, and it's a big, bad storm. And uh, water starts coming into the boat. That's what it means when it says they were swamped. Water is, is getting in the boat, and if you've ever been on the lake in the middle of a rain, that's not fun. Uh, I hope you've never been in a situation where you see your boat taking on water. That's really not fun. And you begin thinking, oh my, here were experienced uh, fishermen that were with Jesus. Remember Peter, James, and John? You know, Peter and John, or James and John and Peter, they were all fishermen. And so they did it for a living, and they are scared. And Jesus is asleep. And uh, another version in one of the Gospels says, do you not care that we're going to die? And they wake him up, and then the rest is history. He speaks to the wind and the waves, and there's a calm. What an amazing story. You see, God likes to reveal himself through storms. Uh, I'm reminded, actually, that if you're familiar with the book of Job, uh, and this is a side note, but if if you're familiar with the book of Job in the Old Testament, you know that, Job, he wrestled with why was he suffering and why, why were all these bad things happening to him? All of his friends finally had a ready explanation. They said, Job, you must have really did something that we don't know about. God is out to get you, Job. And we, we learn when we read the book of Job from the very beginning that God says that Job is an upright, blameless, righteous man. There is no one else on earth like him. And God allows the devil to do things in his life. And uh, you you read through the book of Job, and his friends come, and they show support, and they're silent for about a week. And that was the best they could do. And then they began to open their mouth and go, well, you see, Job, you must have really blown it, because look what's happening to you. And they start having these debates with him. And you read through the book of Job, and it's just one round of debates after another, after another. And the whole time Job says, I'm innocent. I haven't done anything wrong to deserve this. I don't know why I'm going through this, but one day I want to have my day with God in court. And one day when you get to the end of the book of Job, I think it's about chapter 38 or so, it says that there's a storm. And then in the storm, here comes God. And he speaks to Job. God reveals himself to Job in a storm. And I wonder how many times we encounter storms and we miss the opportunity of God is trying to teach us something. He's trying to reveal Himself to us in a unique, unique way that we wouldn't appreciate unless we went through the experience of a storm. And that's what He's doing here with the disciples. You know, when a storm comes into your life, it does two things. It reveals what you believe about God. It really does. When you, uh, when you go through a storm, it reveals what you believe about God. Uh, in other words, when a storm comes into your life, is God still good for allowing it to happen? Think about that. I've wondered that before. You go through a storm and you're like, man, is God still good? Because, you know, I don't like what I'm going through. Well, yeah, He's still good. But on an emotional level, that hits, don't it? What about when a storm comes into your life? Uh, when you pray during the storm, do you still believe God cares when He seems to be silent? Because here are the disciples. They've been through an encounter where Jesus wasn't in the boat, and He walked on water and came into the boat. Now Jesus is in the boat. This is great. But He's asleep. And now here's a storm. And now water is getting in the boat. Does He not care? Wake up, Jesus. Come on. I mean, sometimes I feel like we're that way. We know that the Bible promises that God is with us, that He'll never leave us, that He'll never forsake us. But how do you handle it when God is silent? But just because He's silent doesn't mean He's absent. You know, when a storm comes in your life, it reveals what you believe about God, but it also reveals what's really inside of us. Have you ever seen some someone just... Come unglued, sheer panic when a storm comes up. I've known a couple people in my time that are literally terrified of storms. We all have those parts of our lives that, you know, cause us to panic. It could be a fear of some kind. But, you know, when a storm comes, it does reveal what is inside of you. I mean, how will you respond to a storm? Are you overwhelmed by fear? Or do you learn to overcome through faith in the Lord? That's what the disciples had to learn. They learned to overcome by trusting Jesus. When you look at this simple story, always teach that when you read the Bible, always look at the questions that are asked. And then ask yourselves those questions. For example, in this short story that only spans, what, four or five verses, there are two important questions that are raised. The first one is from Jesus. He says, where is your faith? Now think about that for a moment. Where is your faith? Here is Jesus. He he stands up. He rebukes the wind and the waves. And just like that, they come. And then he says, where's your faith? Wouldn't you have loved to have been there when that happened? I would. That would be awesome. Reminds me of a little boy in Sunday school. He was asked by his mother what he learned that day. And he said, well, Mom, he says, our teacher told us about how God sent Moses behind enemy lines on a rescue mission to lead the Israelites out of Egypt. When he got to the Red Sea, he had his engineers build a pontoon bridge and all the people walked across safely. And then he used a walkie-talkie to radio headquarters for reinforcements. And then they sent bombers to blow up the bridge and all the Israelites were saved. And his mom said, now is that really what your teacher taught you? And he goes, no, mom, but if I told you what our teacher said, you wouldn't believe it. Where is your faith? When it comes to believing God's Word, do you really believe it? I'm reminded of uh, the scriptures in Romans 10, 17. It says, faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. I believe when I memorize that in a different language or a different uh, Bible translation, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. When we hear the Word of God, when we hear the message about Christ, the only um, appropriate response is faith to, to believe it, uh, uh, to believe it and to receive the benefit of that trust. There's an old song I'm going back on this one, Devin 1993, but don't tell anybody. OK. You ever heard of a guy named West King? Uh, he had one song that I really loved, and it's called, I Believe. And I'm not going to sing it to you, but I'll read the lyrics to you. It says, I believe in six days and a rest. God is good. I do confess. I believe in Adam and Eve, in a tree, in a garden, in a snake, and a thief. Uh, and then the chorus is, I believe, I believe, I believe in the word of God. I believe, I believe because he made me believe. He goes he goes on, he says, I believe Noah built an ark of wood, 120 years, and no one understood. I believe Elijah never died, called fire from heaven on a mountainside. Uh, it goes on, I've been passed down through ages, it's been passed down through ages of time, inspired by the Lord, his word will remain to the end. I believe Isaiah was a prophet of old, the lamb was slain, just as he foretold. I believe Jesus was the word named man. And he died for my sins, and he rose again. I believe, I believe, I believe in the word of God. And it's a great song, kind of peppy, but it reminds me that, think about all these great stories that we've heard from the Bible all these years, maybe since you were a young child. Do you believe? Do you believe that God is who he says he is? Do you believe that he will do what he says he will do? Uh, That is a fundamental question. When you and I go through the storms of life, it really forces us to be honest and say, do I believe God? Am I willing to trust Him through this storm? Am I willing to trust Him with this pain or the experience that I have? Can I really live by faith and trust Him with this? I'm reminded of examples in history. A couple of them stand out to me. Hudson Taylor the great missionary hudson taylor who did a lot of work on the uh, china inland mission once while once when he was going through a very difficult time in the ministry there in china he wrote to his wife he says we have 25 cents and all the promises of god that's faith instead of looking at what he didn't have he said well here's reality this is all i got but i've got the promises of god I've got the calling of God on my life. I've got, I've got a God that says He will meet all my needs. I've just got to trust Him. Seek His kingdom and His righteousness first and all those other things, what we eat, what we drink, what we're going to wear, they'll be added as well. What about Corey Tim Boom? Great story. If you're familiar with Corrie Tim Boom, she wrote the book The Hidden Place. She was a survivor of the German concentration camps. Uh, often it was said people would come up to her and say, Corey, what a great faith you have, you know, to to endure the concentration camps, to, to survive that, to go through that horrible experience and be able to talk about it. What a great faith you have. You know what she would do? She would just simply smile and respond, no, what a great God I have. And that's true. You know, when faith talks, it's not about that I've got something you don't but it's this this God that we serve, it's this God that we trust, that He is more than able to do what we ask, think, or, or imagine. He is such a good God, and our faith points others toward this great God. You see, the first key question is, where is your faith? But the second question in this short story really gets you. After Jesus rebukes the wind and the waves, and He goes, Hey, where is your faith? And then the response, the disciples are fearful and amazed, okay, all at the same time. And they ask one another, who is this? He commands even the winds and the waves and they obey him. You see, they thought they were starting to figure Jesus out. He feeds 5,000 and all we have is a sack lunch and he takes that and he prays and he blesses it and breaks it and all of a sudden this little sack lunch multiplies and it feeds 5,000 people and as if that's not enough, there are 12 baskets of leftovers afterwards. Can you, make, can you imagine that? And this same Jesus that teaches people, he does care because he heals people, he heals the sick, he causes the blind to see. I mean, he does all of these amazing miracles. But this is their domain, right? Like, Peter, James, and John, we got this. We know how to fish. We know what it's like to get out on the sea. We know that sometimes the conditions aren't the best. We know that sometimes you encounter storms. But this time, even though Jesus was in the boat, he was asleep, and they were so scared they had to wake him up. And when he wakes up, he just stands up, and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And all is calm. They haven't seen this before. No one had. And they're going, what? Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Leon Morris in his commentary says they were filled with awe. They marveled and they asked, who is this? That's the significant question that Luke does not want his readers to miss. Well, if you think about it, it points to the divinity of Jesus, that he is the Son of God. Matter of fact, I'm reminded of a few uh, verses in the Old Testament, in the Psalms. In Psalm 89, verse 8, it says, Lord God of armies, who is strong like you, Lord? Your faithfulness surrounds you. You rule the raging sea. When its waves surge, you steal them. There's a clue. Psalm says that only God is the one that can steal the raging sea. Then, a few chapters later in Psalm 93, verse 4, greater than the roar of a huge torrent, the mighty breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is majestic. So God is greater than this huge torrent of waves on the sea. And then, of course, my personal favorite is Psalm 107. Now, Psalm 107 is a great psalm. It gives God praise and thanks. And then in the mind of a Jew, I remember reading this a long time ago, there were certain scenarios or situations in life you would just want to avoid. They're less than ideal circumstances. You wouldn't want to find yourself in that kind of situation. If you did, it would be pretty hopeless. And if you were in that hopeless situation, all you could do is cry out to God And hope, and hope He answers your prayer. And one of those scenarios in that long chapter of Psalm 107 is to be out at sea in the middle of a storm. And I'll pick up and read the last part of it. Psalm 107, verse 28. Imagine you're already at sea and you're in the middle of the storm and you do the only thing you know to do. It says, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper, and the waves of the sea were hushed. They rejoiced when the waves grew quiet. Then He guided them to the harbor they longed for. Let them give thanks to the Lord for His faithful love and His wondrous works for all humanity. Let them exalt Him in the assembly of the people and praise Him in the council of the elders. Wow. So praise God that he brings us through the storm. You know, that, that story, think about waking Jesus up. Do you not care? Hey, Jesus, we're going to die. And he stands up and he rebukes the wind and the waves. And then they go, who is this? i tell you what, he's God. He's the Son of God. Matter of fact, a little bit later in Mark or Matthew 16, Jesus has a moment with his disciples in Caesarea Philippi. And he says, who do other people say that I am? And they gave their answers. And then he turns and looks at them. And he says, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's the only explanation. No man can do what Jesus did unless God was with him. Remember, when a storm comes into your life, it reveals what you believe about God. And that's why the disciples said, Who is this that he commands even the wind and the waves, and they obey him? And remember, when a storm comes into your life, it reveals what's really inside of you. And that's why Jesus asked, Where's your faith? And so, very quickly, I want to give you three quick lessons we learn about the Lord through a storm. Number one, you can be in the center of God's will and still experience a storm. Think about that. I mean, they were with Jesus. They were doing what He wanted to do. Hey, let's get in the boat, let's cross the lake. They were serving right beside Jesus. When He went somewhere to teach people, they were there. Whenever He needed help, they were there. Whenever it came to ministering people, he says, hey, go look at the crowd, see if you can find any food. They were there. Now he says, let's get in the boat, let's cross the lake. They were there. You can be right in the center of God's will for your life and still experience a storm. I don't think we always wrap our head around that. I think a lot of people have this false assumption in life that life is supposed to be smooth Life is supposed to be good, and life is supposed to be easy. And when something happens, well, what's wrong? Whose fault is it? Well, it's not my fault. Well, it must be somebody else's fault. Oh, well, if it's not their fault, well, it has to be God's fault. It has to be somebody's fault. That's our our flawed logic and thinking many times. We think that way. And yet here we see that you can be in the center of God's will and still experience a storm. I just want you to know that when it comes to following Jesus, Even when we have Him with us, it doesn't mean life is going to be easy. But when we have Him, that's enough. That's enough. He is the uh, master of the sea. He is the savior of the world. He is the one that is the anchor for us through any storm. A second lesson we learn about the Lord through a storm is you can focus on God's promises instead of fretting about the problem. You know, the disciples... Before they woke Jesus up, they were probably trying to manage it as best they can. Oh, I've been through these before. Yeah, me too. You remember that time? Oh, yeah. And everybody's kind of got their spot, and they're, they're giving it their all. But then reality sits in. What we're doing is not working. Matter of fact, water's in the boat, and it's getting, getting higher. This ain't good. They get scared, and then they wake up Jesus. Doesn't that sound like us? Many times we find ourselves in a situation and we're like, I got this. I know what to do. I've been through tough times before and we buckle down and we do the best we know how until reality sits in and what we're doing is not working. Maybe it's getting worse. And we phone a friend, we do all our lifelines, we do all our things and then finally when it gets really bad, if it's it's desperate enough, then we go, oh Lord, help me. You know, many times, instead of our first choice, He's our last resort. They had Jesus there the whole time. Finally, they wake Him up. You know, they had to learn to focus on what God says and not the problem. That takes time. Many times, we try to do things on our own, don't we? But when we go through a storm, we learn a lot about us. We learn a lot about God. And I'm telling you that life beyond the storm it's better when we focus on God's promise and not our problems. God's promises are what we need to live by faith one day at a time. And the third lesson we see here is that you can pass the test when you choose to enter God's rest. What do I mean by that? Someone once said it this way. Someone said that uh, in school you have lessons, And then you take the test. But in life, you have tests. And then you learn the lessons. There's some truth to that. You know, you will pass the test of life when you learn to enter God's rest. Here was Jesus. Look what he had already done before they got in the boat. And he's the Son of God, he knows what's going on. And he says, We're going to get in the boat. And we're going to cross the lake. There's more to do, guys. And he wasn't worried about it. (laughs) He took a nap. And then the storm hits. Jesus is asleep. Oh, my goodness. Well, don't wake him up. We can handle it. We'll take care of it. And then that's not working. And finally, in desperation, they wake him up. You and I, if we want to enter God's rest, we've got to pass the test and learn to trust him. What do I mean by that? Let me read you a a, a psalm. One of the shortest psalms you'll find. Psalm 131. It's three verses. It says, Lord, my heart is not proud. My eyes are not haughty. I do not get involved with things too great or too wondrous for me. Instead, I've calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother. My soul is like a weaned child. Israel, put your hope in the Lord both now and forever. Think about a small child with his mother. Curl up in her lap. She can hold him or her over her shoulder. And no matter how loud it is or noisy it is, they can just be calm, lay their head there, and rest. What a blessed feeling that is. What a wonderful picture that is. God's saying to us, will you trust me like that? Will you come to me, lay your burdens down, and trust me, and enter my rest? Now, it's interesting when you think about this concept of entering rest, because Jesus said in Matthew 11, come to me all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That's what I want you to see this morning. See, Christ is our anchor for any and every storm. He's the master of the sea. He's the firstborn of creation. He's the firstborn from the dead, as Colossians says. He is our anchor for the soul. And Jesus says, there's nothing I can't do. I want you to come to me, you who are weary, you who are burdened. I will give you rest. Matter of fact, Hebrews in the New Testament plays on this theme of entering rest. And it says, since the promise to enter his rest remains, let us beware that none of you be found to have fallen short. For we also have received the good news just as they did. But the message they heard did not benefit them since they were not united with those who heard it in faith. What's he talking about? Well, the short answer is this. When you look down the timeline of history at believers in past generations, they had their struggles too. They had their storms too. But ultimately, they came to a place where they realized, I've got to trust God. This is bigger than me. And I'm going to trust God to do what I can't do. I'm going to trust Him. He's going to be my anchor for any and every storm. And it says here that those people were able to enter God's rest. Now, how do you enter rest? Well, rest happens after work, does it not? You get up one morning and you do a lot of hard work outside in the heat of the day. You come in, maybe you get a sip of Uh, Sweet tea, get you a cold shower, and you rest and you relax. At the very beginning in creation, for six days God created everything. On the seventh day He rested, not because He was tired, but He did it as an example for you and I, because He teaches us that after we work, we need to rest. Well, let's apply that spiritually for a minute. You can never work for your salvation. You're never going to earn it. You're never going to get to a place to where you say, I've been good. I've been good for a long while. I think I deserve. You'll never say that before the throne of God. It won't fly. Nobody can earn their salvation. No one deserves their salvation. And all these false religions today are based on works. But how much is enough? And how good is good enough? But I can tell you this. Jesus did the work. For us. The disciples asked Jesus, what are the works that we should do? He says the work of God is this, to believe in Jesus Christ whom He has sent. Jesus come and He lives the life that you and I should have lived. He dies the death that we deserve. And then He nails on the cross, paid in full. He gave His life. He shed His blood. Paid in full. Everything that needs to be done, For you and I to be saved is already done. Now that you recognize his work, will you respond to his invitation and enter his rest? Come unto me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. The promise for God's rest still stands. And that's why in Hebrews 3 and 4, if you read that again, That is the thread that connects all of the generations of past believers to us today is they saw the work of God, they believed God, they trusted God, and they were able to enter and enjoy His rest. And the Bible says that the opportunity to enter His rest, it still stands. It's a day called today. Today, if you hear His voice... Don't harden your heart, okay? Respond to Him and enter His rest. Maybe some of you can say today, you know, I never thought about it that way. I've never made a decision to trust and follow Jesus. Why not now? Life is unpredictable. Life is uncertain. You may not be in a storm right now, but someday you will be. And when you are, are you going to cry out to Jesus? Don't wait then. Why don't you do it now? You know, I realize, and I hope you do too, that we're all going to stand before God someday. And we need to be prepared for that day. I don't want to wait to the end. Do you? I want to be prepared. I know that in and of myself, I don't deserve anything except for death, except for hell. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all sin. We all miss the mark of God's righteousness. And there's nothing that I can do. There's nothing that you can do to deserve God's favor, to earn His mercy. There's nothing we can do good enough to impress Him to to be saved. But He sent His Son. He died on that cross. He did the work for us to be saved. And now He says, I want you to come to Me. And enter my rest. He's already done the work. Now he says come and enter my rest. And that's a choice that each and every one of us has today. Will you believe that God has done the work on your behalf? Will you enter his rest? And learn to enjoy his rest. That he did what I could not do. Praise God. He is the anchor for every storm. And he is the anchor of the soul. He is the anchor of my salvation. Well, let's all stand as musicians come. We're going to have a time of imitation, an opportunity to respond to what God might be saying to you. And let's pray. Father, we come before you today. Thank you for this time in the Word. Lord, help us to realize that when we go through the storms of life, Lord, we really learn what we believe about you, and we really see what's inside of us. Lord, you are the one that makes the waves and the wind be still. Lord, You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And Lord, there's nothing You can't handle. Not only the physical storms of life, but Lord, the the biggest storm of life that life could throw at us, Lord, we can trust You. Lord, thank You for doing the work that's required for us to be saved. Lord, thank You for sending Your Son who died on that cross, who gave His life willingly, who shed His blood, Who said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Who finally said, it is finished. Lord, you've done the work that needs to be done for any of us to be saved. And Lord, we've got to respond to your call today. To come unto you and receive your rest and enter that rest. Father, I pray that you would speak to every heart this morning. Father, I pray if there's someone here today that's never took that first step to trust and follow you, Lord, I pray today they'll make that decision to come to you and enter that rest. To stop striving, to stop uh, working, stop trying to impress you or others and simply to receive the free gift of God, which is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Lord, have your will and your way in this service and this invitation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.